Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 Podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Blake, um, there's obviously a lot of expectations out there for Florida football going into year three under Dan Mullen. We're just around the corner from spring football, officially less than a month away. So on this episode of the podcast, I kind of just wanted to talk about expectations in year three under Dan Mullen. Uh, We'll really focus heavily on that today. And, And really for me, the question is, should Florida be the favorite in the SEC East? What are your thoughts on that? You know, I don't know that you can I don't know that you can tab Florida as the favorite for the SCC East just because of the fact that you know the, the the road has gone through Jacksonville, I will say that, but it's just <clears throat> it's come to the point now where Florida they have to beat Georgia to really get over that hump. I think we're all in agreement there. Um, you know, they get closer every year. Uh, I think this is the year. I know last year we said that, you know, that was the year that Florida probably had the most talent-wise. I mean, they probably matched up the best against Georgia, and I still kind of feel that way heading into the season. But you also have to look at some of the things that Georgia lost, maybe how they kind of went on offense at times last season. A little unexpected for me, and obviously they've changed some coaches around, and and I think they've identified the fact that the offense hasn't been great in Athens. So I think at this point, I don't know that I'm ready to crown Florida as the favorite yet just because I still think you have to kind of – you have to take that next step by beating Georgia. But I do think that Florida's schedule next season – really sets up well for them to have a, a strong season where maybe some people thought they were going to take a step back when you lose some pieces on the offense, you know, like a lot of wide receivers like they did last year, you lose Michael P. Ryan. I think the schedule kind of balances that out and it lets Florida, you know, kind of get some new names and new faces in there. And obviously by the time they get to where that Georgia game is, I, I think we'll have a really good idea of what kind of team Florida is. But I, I think Florida's just, you know, I, I just, I'm, I'm kind of waiting see mode with it, man. I, I need to see them beat the Georgia Bulldogs. Um, I, I do think that Florida is very capable of team this year. Again, like I said, the schedule matches up. Georgia's going to have to change some things. You know, a guy like Jake Fromm, I know he may not have the stats, but he really helped Georgia's offense run when it did. So, you know, I think this year it's a little it's a little tighter than it was maybe in last year's. You know, you have a Jamie Newman guy come in for Georgia. There's a lot more question marks maybe more so on Athens this year than, you know, maybe last year and years before where everyone kind of was penciling Georgia in as that absolute favorite for the East. And I don't know necessarily that's kind of the case we have heading into this season. Yeah, I think that's pretty well said. I mean, you know, last year we talked about it nonstop that eventually um, Florida was going to have to catch up to Georgia and find a way to win in Jacksonville. And I think we said – couple times before the season it doesn't necessarily have to uh, be in 2019 but it's got to be soon because eventually it gets hard to recruit against that kind of narrative and to Dan Mullen's credit I think they've done a good job um, kind of emphasizing the fact that they 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 have won 10 games and now 11 games and they've done really well in recruiting eventually you've got to show that you can beat Georgia and I think for me when you go into talking about you know who should be the favorite Um, I I think it does come down to a lot of those question marks, as you said, you know, which team has the least question marks, which team has the most answers. Um, And then and then other factors, like you mentioned, the schedule. 
Um, the schedule is one that I look at, and not only is it very, very favorable for Florida, um, you, you look at this schedule, you know, the way it sets up for Florida next year. Before that Georgia game, you really only have one other tough game. I mean, you're looking at and Eastern it's at Washington. Home. And it's and at it's home, home like LSU. LSU. So you go Eastern Washington, Kentucky, South Alabama, Tennessee, South Carolina, LSU. You know, Ole Miss could be tricky right after that. But that's a stretch where you could conceivably go into that game unbeaten against Georgia. And on the flip side, you look at Georgia's schedule. Blake, they've got uh, Alabama in week three. They've actually got Auburn, you know, towards the middle of their schedule this year instead of near the end. Um, so they've got another tough game in front of Florida this year. Uh, I just think that those teams could be potentially headed in very different directions where all of a sudden you kind of get some of that momentum built up. Um, but again, like it, it's all about what Florida has in terms of answers coming back. And I think that's where the discussion kind of for me has to start. You talk about Kyle Trask, you talk about, you know, Trayvon Grimes, Kyle Pitts. Florida has some answers. Now, it's not that they don't have questions, but I think given what Dan Mullen has shown, you feel pretty good about them being able to work around some of these strengths of the team. Absolutely. You know, I think you mentioned a lot of guys on the offense that are the questions, you know, I think when I look over at defense and, you know, who's going to replace a guy like Jonathan Grenard, who was a big part of Florida's defense, Jabari Zuniga, I know was banged up for most of the year, but whenever he was playing and he was healthy, he, it was very obvious that he was making an impact for Florida. So, you know, I'm with you, you know, I I think there are some questions. I feel like the questions for me more so on the offensive side aren't as necessarily glaring as the defensive side. I think whenever you replace some guys on defense that I thought were you know, the better players for that, for that squad on there. You know, I think that that's where the questions are for me, but I do think that this year, the way things you look at it on paper. And again, you know, we're talking in February here. I do think that things are favorable for Florida. When you look at the schedule, when you look at Georgia's schedule, um, you know, I think Florida's offensive line, you know, there, there, there are total tons of questions we can sit there and break down to, but I do think that this year, uh, just looking at the first half of the schedule for Florida, like you said, going through those first couple games um, into, you know, the bye week, and then you've got Georgia in October, LSU is the the one game that really jumps out for me at Florida. You know, I I think that Tennessee, um, you know, they finished the season kind of strong next year. I don't know that they're quite there with Florida, you know, and that's an away game could be a little tricky, kind of in the same sense, maybe as Ole Miss, but you know, for me, that LSU game, I think is the one to watch out there for the, you know, the first half of the season. That'd be pretty pretty crazy if this goes into you know an undefeated Florida team against you know maybe a one or maybe a two loss Georgia team totally different dynamic than what we've seen in the last two years with Georgia or excuse me with Mullen at the helm for Florida you know usually it's both are undefeated you know maybe one has one loss one here one there but it, it seems like it could be a totally different ballpark this year yeah I don't think there's any question Blake I wanted to uh, kind of break down some of what you said um, let's kind of start with the offense I guess uh, first off what do you view as the the biggest strength for this unit and then What's an area as we you know as we get headed into spring ball that you would like to see maybe some growth maybe some players start to step up? You know I think for me uh, you know I, I know I'm only kind of going off of one really not even a whole season of work here but I think quarterback is a strength. Um, not only having a guy like Kyle Trask who I think exceeded a lot of expectations last year just being the fact that he's a guy that I think it was like his sophomore year of high school was the last time he started a game. So, you know, I think he's answered a lot of questions that maybe we didn't. Yeah, sure. It was early. I think he's answered a lot of questions that maybe we didn't know there, but even then Florida's got a very capable guy in Emory Jones that flashed at times last season, whenever he was in there. So I, you know, it's weird. We're talking about a Florida team and we're saying that quarterback could very well be a, you know, a strength of the team. Um, For me too, I think the tight end group is pretty solid. I know it's a little top heavy there with a guy like Kyle Pitts, but I think Kamori Gamble is a guy that's shown some things. Um, Keon Zipper, I think was a pretty bright young guy that was on Florida's roster last year that maybe does a little bit of a difference things there. 
So I think tight end is maybe one, two, um, just because I'm not ready to tab Florida's offensive line there. I'm not ready to tab the wide receiver group there with the guys they lost last season. And I'm not ready to do the same thing with running back with how they struggled to run the ball last year. So I think it's kind of an easy one for me. And I'd have to go with those two, just really kind of going through the process of elimination. Yeah, I think those are good points. You know, I I think it's going to be interesting for me. And I think I've alluded to this maybe a couple times on the podcast, but it's going to be interesting what to see kind of what happens now that Kyle Trask doesn't have those four senior receivers. Um, because you do have an absolutely elite guy coming back in Kyle Pitts, Trayvon Grimes, a terrific target. Um, Kadarius Tony gives you, you know, that kind of weapon hybrid gadget type player that you can use here and there. Um, and Jacob Copeland was coming on late in the year. But I think the biggest thing that those four senior receivers brought to the table was that they really knew all of their assignments and not just like their assignments, but, you know, guys always joked about Josh Hammond would know what the O-line, you know, what the left guard's supposed to be doing. And um, you don't need to know that necessarily, but the more knowledge that you have, the easier it is to say, hey, okay, this is the coverage the defense is running. This is going to be my soft spot where I sit down and wait for it. And I think Kyle Trask was a cerebral enough quarterback that he was able to make that work. Will that work if Florida only has maybe two go-to guys and doesn't have that kind of depth at receiver? I think for me, that'll be interesting. I expect the offensive line, Blake, to take a, a significant step forward. I know you know, I, I know I hate to bank on that, but I think given John Hevesy's track record, and I think if you really watch the film from the end of the season, you can see that when they started playing better, it was because of personnel changes rather than uh, the same guys starting to gel. And what I mean by that is Ethan White steps in, and he's a guy that just athletically brought a little something extra to the table. Richard Guraj, a guy that athletically just had a little bit more upside than some of the other guys that we were seeing in there you know, a la Chris Bleich and some of these other guys. So I think as you continue to get, you know, those freshmen get another year into the, you know, the strength and conditioning program, I think you're going to see more guys start to make that push. Uh, You did mention running back. I think for me, that might be my biggest question mark on the offense, potentially even more so than the offensive line. Because I think, you know, if the offensive line gets going, you're going to have holes. Um, But the question for me is outside of Damian Pierce, I don't know that I trust many of those other backs all that much. You know, Malik Davis was terrific as a freshman, but has had career or season-ending injuries each of the last two years. And to me, he just hasn't looked like the same kind of guy. And I, you know, that's a t- those are tough ones to overcome mentally to get yourself back into the place where you know you were in that flow and and really going. And I just don't know that Florida's coaches uh, were really willing to trust him. You know, they really kind of just went P Ryan and Pierce for most of the year last year. Um, you know, they've got some younger guys, Iverson Clement. We haven't really seen what he can do yet, but you know, the coaching staff seemed to prefer Naquan Wright getting snaps over him last year. So I think I, to me, I don't see enough difference makers in that group. And that, that is part of the reason why I think running back recruiting, as we, you know, talked about going into signing day was so important. You know, maybe if Lorenzo Lingard is, is ends up healthy and is cleared to play, maybe he can be a guy that brings you something a little more dynamic to that position. Um, but to me, that's one where I look at and say, okay, maybe, maybe Florida needs to do a little bit better there. What if they throw a guy like Zach Evans in there? Okay, that's that's um, that's a good one. I don't know much about him, but I can tell you based on the star ranking, uh, I usually don't doubt those guys too much, you know. So uh, <laughs> Would, actually, no, wouldn't suck. Quick, quick segue. Why don't you uh, give us a little bit of an update uh, for the people that don't know? Zach Evans was a five-star Georgia signee, uh, signed with them in the early signing period, and then was uh, released from his national letter of intent. And what that means is he can no longer sign a national letter of intent with another school. Um, so his recruitment will kind of end essentially whenever he shows up to another program's campus for, you know, to enroll. Summer A, I guess. Would yeah. Be. 
looking around May. So, yeah, like you said, he can't sign another letter of intent. I think what you're basically going to see here is whenever it gets time for him to make this decision, whenever, whenever that may be, we're talking kind of far out here. It could be the day he decides to show up at a school. I don't know if he's going to do some kind of ceremony. I do believe he's able to sign financial aid agreement papers, which not doesn't necessarily bind you to a school like – you know, like what a, a letter of intent would do, but it, it does make it official. And I say that with air quotes, so to say, not not official in the sense that you know he's absolutely going there. It does somewhat, you know, set your decision of where you're going. It, I guess it's basically like a verbal commitment. I mean, you could go there, but you could change your mind at a later date. Yeah, but there wouldn't be any sort to. of fine. Florida could announce him if he signs this paper as you know, as welcome Zach Evans to the swamp. But if he didn't end up there, there would be no kind of. Uh, you know, violations or anything like that, whereas you did that with a letter of intent. So the latest that I can tell you guys is that right now it's looking like Florida is going to have that official visit with Zach Evans. I've heard late March is what to expect for that visit. I do expect him to take the official visit to Florida. Um, there's been lots of coaches that have been in touch with him pretty consistently. Um, you know, even all the way to guys you know that are off the field recruiting staffers like John Heron, uh, Jamar Chaney, those type of guys. Greg Knox, Brian Johnson, coaches on the staff, and you throw in a new guy like Tim Brewster, um, who's going to be Florida's. Uh, should be Florida's next assistant coach whenever that is officially announced. Um, he's obviously recruiting and you know in Gainesville working for Florida, and he has been recruiting Zach Evans. They have a relationship that dates back to whenever he was at A and M on staff, uh, which I believe was in Evans sophomore year. So you know there, there's a lot of there's a lot to like about where Florida is at in this recruitment. I, I've been kind of hesitant here with you know how you have to pick things and how you predict things here, just because this recruitment has been nothing but twists and turns, different things. When you think you have an idea of where things are going, it totally changes. I, I know even through the entire process of, you know, me kind of following what's been going on, you know, he's a guy that'll set a commitment date. He's going to such and such school and then he backs off of that and he holds things off. And here we are, we're here in February. He's still unsigned. Um, but what I can say now is that I think Florida is looking very much like a big contender in this recruitment. I do think there's pretty strong mutual interest there. I think the next step for me is getting him on campus and seeing how things go. But I, I would not be surprised at all if Florida was the pick come later down on the road. Um, I, I think safe to say that you know Ole Miss, Tennessee are the probably the main schools to really follow here. A and M has kind of been off and on mentioned. Um, I'm under the impression that if he was going to go to A and M, he would have did that already. Um, you know, they've just been in the mix for so long for him. So I, I think a lot of things are still kind of unofficial and they're still kind of what if, and we're still kind of playing the waiting game here. I like where Florida sits. I expect that official visit to be in late March. And I think that there's a lot to like about where Florida's at. Well, Blake kind of segueing off that. I was just, this is kind of just a random thought that popped into my head. Um, Florida has typically been a very veteran team under Dan Mullen so far. You looked at, you know, the first year they had the, you know, four veteran offensive line guys, uh, last year, a bunch of seniors at the skill positions, um, I actually see this could be a year where Florida has more of a mixture of both and you start to see more of that young talent play out. You know, we mentioned some of the, uh, you know, the guys they have coming back at receiver, Kyle Pitts. Um, I think some of the additions that Florida has made via recruiting, you know, a la Xavier Henderson at receiver, you know, the brother of CJ Henderson or uh, four star Jaquavian Frazier's. I think these are kind of guys that can start to get in the mix early. Um, and really, we haven't seen a whole lot of that at Florida, at least on the offensive side of the ball where guys come in and, and they're just good enough to play right away. I think Zach Evans is another one uh, where, you know, assuming he's listening to the coaches and, he, you know, if he comes to Florida, um, he's a guy that could push for playing time right away. I think when you start having that mix of veteran guys that can show the ropes and then you're getting enough talent via your recruiting class that a bunch of guys can play early, that's when I think you start to see these teams get really good. And I think 
particularly when you're talking about Florida versus Georgia. I think that's where Florida needs to take a step. You've got to have a few more of those game breakers because when you look at what particularly Georgia's got coming back defensively next year, that's where that game's been won or lost the last couple of years. Florida just hadn't been able to do enough on offense against Georgia to make that work. And so I think it's going to be worth monitoring this Evans thing and um, you know, seeing, especially in the spring, how some of these guys can kind of fit in. But uh, let's go ahead. Let's switch over to the defensive side of the ball because I wanted to ask you kind of the same things on that side. I know you mentioned you probably had a little bit more question marks there. Um, are your are your concerns primarily the pass rush at this point, or is there any other spot that you're still a little up in the air on? Yeah, I think it's mainly for me just the pass rush. You know, I, I get it. Florida has some guys that were on the last season's team. Um, you know, guys in the secondary um, that are that are coming back that had some playing time. But it's it's for me, I guess it's just what you've lost. You know, I mentioned Jabari Zaniga, I mentioned Jonathan Grenard, David Reese was another big part of that defense that you lose. You know, just guys that had that senior upperclassman type of you know maturity, and it seemed like they were the big leaders. That's not to say some guys that are in there now, you know, Sean Davis and Marco Wilson. You know, it's not to say these guys couldn't step in and make that same role. But I think that when you look at just the guys that Florida lost that were big playmakers on defense, I think that's where my questions come from. I don't think it's a bad unit. Obviously, I think Todd Grantham is a great defensive coordinator. I think he'll game plan things up well for Florida. I do think that defensive staff has done an excellent job recruiting on their side of the ball through recruiting, like you mentioned before. I think for me, just the big questions are just the guys they lost were heavy hitters for them. Yeah, I think that's a good point. You know, uh, you really kind of look at it, where's the star power? And I think, you know, a lot of fans would point to a guy like Kyir Elam, who really started to show that kind of, you know, just breakout next level type ability last year. Um, but, you know, you're going to need some guys to emerge and kind of become that, I think, particularly on the defensive line. You know, I really like what Florida has gotten from Kyrie Campbell. You go back and look at his numbers from last year. He was much, much more productive than I realized from an interior tackle standpoint. Um, but you're going to need some other guys. Tadaro Slayton is going to have to continue to make the kind of jump that he did in the last half of the season and be a guy that can be not just a reliable starter, but start to be a difference maker. You know, you need Zach Carter to take that next step. Um, some of these young pass rushers, you know, whether it's Diabate or, um, you know, a uh, Chris Bogle. But I look, for me, defensively, I look at it, and I think that they, the thing I like a lot about this defense is that they have guys coming back and they have some veteran experience at every position across the board. Uh, for me, I think the big question mark is how do you replace David Reese? And I think that's going to be really, really interesting to watch in the spring because, you know, for all of the gripes about David Reese's ability and coverage, you know, maybe wasn't the quickest linebacker sideline to sideline. That guy was an absolute force in the run game and was a huge part of the reason Florida's defense was so good. Just an absolutely consistent tackler, knew how to get everybody aligned right, knew where to be, never missed his gap. Um, that's going to be tough. And and the way Florida is recruited at that position, you know, we talk about Derek Wingo, some coming in as a, as a high four-star prospect. I really, really like him. Um, but who else can emerge? Because I like Ventrell Miller. I like James Houston. I don't necessarily see that all SEC star type in that linebacker core. And to me, when you talk about replacing the heart and soul of the defense, that's kind of where it starts for me. Yeah, you know, I think whenever I look at it, even on both sides of the ball for Florida, I feel like last year they got beat up in the trenches a lot. And I think that's Mm -hmm. where you saw them improve through recruiting, defensive line. I think they did a great job there. Uh, those guys are going to have to play, man. I mean, even on the offensive side of the ball, you mentioned you know guys that are going to need to play early. I think four-star Joshua Braun. I think four-star Isaiah Walker Jr. are guys that they're going to need to count on early. 
to kind of fill in those spots, you know, maybe throw some guys in here, get some fresh legs in the trenches. But on the defensive side of the ball, I think that's where we're going to need to see those, you know, those younger guys. A, a Jervon Dexter, who's coming in as a number six player in the country, you know, plenty of these other defensive linemen that they've signed, and a guy like, you know, Lamar Goods, who's already on campus and going through spring ball and getting acclimated with the program. So I think for me, I, I, I think it just is up front in the trenches. I think that that's where my big questions are. Obviously, Kyrie Campbell, that's that's a big piece that Florida brought back. And like you said, he exceeded, you know, even expectations of what maybe we thought even watching him through the season. So I think getting better there and even kind of even moving up to the front seven as a whole and even that linebacker things. I just think my biggest questions are there. Well, look, I'll go ahead and say it to, to kind of wrap up this part of the, the episode. I, I think Florida should be the favorite to win the SEC East. And I understand that the Gators have not quite caught up to the Bulldogs yet in terms of talent. You know, that they haven't been at Georgia's level on the field in the last two years, the last three years, really. Um, but I just look at what Florida returns and the amount of answers they have at every position, the amount of veterans they have at each spot, and then the the influx of young talent. I only see Florida getting better here. Um, I, that's just what I see when I look at this team next year on both sides of the ball. Um, and on the flip side, I think Georgia's got some serious question marks. They don't have Jake Fromm anymore. Uh, that offense wasn't particularly productive at I shouldn't say that it was pretty productive, but it was a little bit one dimensional last last year. And I and think, at times they would they would sputter at times. And when you start to break in a new quarterback, to me that introduces a lot of question marks. It's not that it won't necessarily work out. It's just that there's new wrinkles that you have to deal with and all that. Florida doesn't have those concerns. Florida should be able to put the gap, put the pedal to the gas, and go right from start. And then when you look at the schedule, to me that's the biggest thing that makes Florida the favorite in the SEC East. Florida should be able to get out to a very hot start to the season. You're looking at really only one truly, truly tough game um, where, where Florida probably or may not be favored, and that's LSU. That's at home. Meanwhile, Georgia has to play both Alabama and Auburn before this Florida game. I think Florida comes into Jacksonville with a lot of momentum this year, and I think if you're a media member looking at it objectively, I think despite the talent gap that it still exists, I just think there are too many things rolling into Florida's favor to go with anybody else as the SEC East favorite. Sure. I think it, there's a lot of merit to what you say in the fact that when you look at both of those teams and you see what they have and what they lost, you mentioned a Jake Fromm that you lose from Georgia. There's obviously some guys on their defensive side of the ball. Minus, they do bring back some some pretty talented guys, and it, it should be a strong defense because I, I think Kirby Smart is a guy that's always going to field a strong defense. But then you look at that offensive line that was supposed to be the strength for Georgia last year, and you look at all those guys that are gone. I think it's I think that that's the biggest question marks there where you know yeah Florida didn't have the offensive line last year that maybe people thought I think like you said they you know they kind of shopped things around and moved and, and and I think they started to get some success there near the end I think the questions now roll over to Georgia. You know, you lose those guys. You know, Cade Mays transfers out. You lose some guys to the NFL draft. You know, Sam Pittman's not there, who was, a, I think, an excellent offensive line coach and recruiter Great for point. Georgia. So I think there are some some big questions. I think that there are bigger questions in Athens than I think in Gainesville, and I think this is a different – it's a different dynamic than what we've seen at this point in the offseason. I think for the most part, we've had an idea of what Georgia's going to do. It's. I feel like the questions grew more last season, and they've stretched into this season for them. All right, Blake. Well, that'll do it for this first half of the episode. Let's go ahead and take a quick break, and we'll be back uh, with a shorter segment on the other side of the break, talking Mike White, talking Florida basketball. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. 
there's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Getting a little bit into Florida hoops. Florida is coming off its third straight win, looking to match its longest winning streak of the season at four games. And Blake, we've got some big ones coming up. Obviously, the first one up is Kentucky at Rupp Arena on Saturday. Uh, it'll be a huge game on ESPN. Blake, Florida's biggest issue this year has just been consistency. The Gators have not really been able to sustain long winning stretches, and we're looking at it, and we were talking about it a little bit before the show. Um, still not super consistent, but you look at it, and Florida's won five of the last six. Now, this is the easy stretch of the schedule where they were really supposed to do that, and they did drop one at Ole Miss. That was really an ugly game. Uh, even last night's game against Arkansas, they go up big by 19, kind of sputter around for a little bit, and then kind of get it back together in the second half. I think the big question mark is, is this Florida team going to rise to the occasion and really start to put some things together in this tough, brutal five-game stretch to close, or are we going to see more of the same inconsistency and Florida just kind of hobble into the NCAA tournament? You know, I, I'm kind of expecting the latter here. You know, I just think that what I've seen for Florida – this season, whenever you think you have an idea about what Florida's going to do or you think you have them figured out, something completely changes. You know, you even go back to that old Miss game. I don't think anybody thought that was going to happen. I don't think anyone can ever rule things out in sports that this is going to happen. But it was just an ugly game that was kind of sandwiched into, you know, some pretty strong performances for Florida. And and it's just the consistency that that's it's such a problem. And it's not even necessarily in games that they're not winning. Like you said, you've seen Florida go up in these big leads and then they diminish or they lose them or, or you know, it becomes a much closer game than it was X minutes ago. So, I, man, I just heading into the stretch of the schedule, I just don't have the confidence for Florida in these games. You know, obviously it's it's tough. You know, you're on the road against Kentucky. I think if you do win this game, if you find some way to win this game, I think momentum does start to kind of build back up. I think that confidence does start to build back up. But it's it's a lot to wager on a game where you're on the road and you're going against the number 10 team in the country. Um, and you've got – and it doesn't get much easier after that. I just I'm – not, I'm not feeling too confident where things sit for Florida right now. And I think that's the probably the feeling in most of the fan base. It's just every time you try to get behind this team and – you know, they seem to put together a three-game stretch or a four-game stretch. It's right back into that, well, we didn't just we just didn't show up, you know. The, the, we didn't show up to play. And um, you do that in Rupp Arena, you're going to get killed. Um, I, I don't expect that to happen. I would expect Florida to show up ready to play because this team has done pretty well when they've, you know, been faced with a big environment, a big situation. You look back to the win over 
you know, then number four Auburn. Um, but the question is, can you win more than a couple of these? You know, I think at this point, sitting at 17 and nine, Florida's probably only two more wins away from, I would say, pretty firmly locking up its NCAA tournament bid. Um, the, the non-conference schedule was really strong. And even though Florida didn't necessarily secure a ton of big wins, they do right now have three quadrant one wins, which are, you know, obviously the gold standard and what you're looking for in your resume. And then you look at this closing stretch, depending on where LSU finishes, uh, three or four of these final five games are going to be quadrant one game. So if, even if you just win one or two of them, um, that to me cements an NCAA tournament bid. But it's like you said, you'd, you'd really just like to see if you're a Florida fan, um, some kind of game, some kind of win, some kind of upset or something that just kind of cements the confidence a little bit. I think you've seen it kind of in individual players. You know, you look at the way Keontae Johnson's playing right now. You look at the way Noah Locke's shooting the ball right now. Florida's got some guys that are confident. You know, the way Andrew Nemhard closed the Arkansas game last night uh, was just terrific. Had a, had a stretch where he had about three drives in a row, just easy, smooth finishing. So you see these glimpses of what, you know, made people think this was a preseason top 10 team. Can they get it to a point where it's consistent enough? And maybe it's maybe it's those sophomores taking their game to another level and, and really just bringing that night in and night out. Maybe it's, you know, some of these freshmen starting to just become a little more consistent. Um, but at the end of the day, Blake, this this stretch is going to be very, very fun to watch because I think as much as we've talked about Mike White and the inconsistency, I continue to go back to the trajectory of the program. For me, that's what's important. Is Florida regularly competing for the SEC title, which right now Florida's sitting two games back. They're, they're very much in the battle, and they play Kentucky twice. They play LSU still. So Florida's very much in the race. But will it finish that way? Or will Florida, like we said, maybe potentially hobble into the SEC tournament, into the NCAA tournament, you know, maybe only one in one or two of these next five, uh, where you just don't feel good about it? And not only do you not feel good about it, but you look at it and you're saying, man, the talent level was better this year. This is the, the most talented team Mike White's ever had. And yet here we're looking at a, a nine seed, a 10 seed, an 11 seed in the NCAA tournament. To me, that's where the evaluation starts to come in on Mike White. I don't really think he's on the hot seat yet. I do think if Florida crumbles down this pretty tough stretch, I think there's no way you can not consider him on the hot seat going into next year. And do you mean by that like an immediate thing? Do you think he gets into next year? Yeah, I don't think there's any question that he won't be back next year. I mean, even if Florida loses all five and misses the tournament, I still think that he would probably get another year. Uh, I'm not 100% on that, but I I just don't think it's going to happen this year. I think the buyout is a little too high. His buyout's $1.75 million for every year left on his deal, and he's got five years left. So with all the money that Florida's pouring into uh, facilities and all that, I just I think you would give him another year, and you know it'd be a it'd be a do or die year. And that Blake, that's talking worst case scenario. I, I don't sure. think I would expect Florida to win at least two of these next five, and and potentially even three. Um, I, I think the bigger question is is Florida capable of doing even better than that? Can Florida win four of these next five? Really pick up you know a head of steam going into the SEC tournament and into the NCAA tournament to where all of a sudden this team gets some confidence and and can maybe make a run. You know what I mean? Not to necessarily put you on the spot, but I'm gonna put you on the spot. Are there any of these games left over that you know you say that you feel like Florida is going to be a contender or can even you know come away with some of these games? Are there any of these games left over that you know just looking at the tail end of the season that jump out to you as those games that you think that Florida can pick up the win or at least it could be closer than maybe looking on the outside? I think I think a couple things. I would say you need to win at least one of the big home games against LSU or Kentucky. Uh, you can't afford to lose both of those home games against quality teams. So you need that's number one. 
Uh, number two, I would look at and say you, you got to at least split on the road at Tennessee and Georgia. Um, you know, the, the tricky thing there is Tennessee is a well-coached team. Um, you know, they're they're kind of fighting to be above 500, but they've been in a lot of tough games. So that's, that's not going to be an easy game. And Thompson Bowling Arena is a tough place to play. On the flip side, you look at Georgia, um, not nearly as good a team. Florida clearly has more talent. We saw that in the first meeting. But they do have Anthony Edwards, and he really torched Florida last time. So um, can you can you go into an environment in Athens where you keep him from getting hot or, you know, have a different game plan? I think those two things. You get one, at least one of those two home home wins and then at least one of the Tennessee and Georgia game. If you don't do both of those things, I think you're in trouble. You know, just kind of listening to just your thoughts on Mike White and, and kind of where things are at, I do get a pretty – I don't know. I, I see. I see the similarities between Mike White and Will Muschamp, and I obviously they're two different sports. You know, they're, they're way different dynamics there. But you look at a guy who's a great recruiter, and you look at a guy who has been inconsistent. And I think that that's kind of where they're at. And, and whenever you're talking about, you know, uh, you think Mike White is safe for the rest of the year, and you know, a lot of these things are just your opinion and all that. But it does seem that you know, I get a lot of kind of similarities again of, of Will Muschamp to where he's a really, really well-respected guy, and he's really well liked around the program. And I think that that is going to be the factor that I think that gets him that next season. Is just that people are people still believe in him there, and they're, they're going to give him that extra year to see how things go. Do I think that this year could have gone better with the talent they have? Absolutely, I think. There's a lot of people that feel that same way too. So I think that that's kind of something that has maybe put some deterrent on some people there. But for the most part, it does seem like just his respect level in Gainesville, it's easily, at least I think, it's going to buy him that next year. Yeah, I think that pretty much hits the nail on the head. And then I think the other factor too is when you're talking about a football hire um, or a football firing and the kind of buyouts involved there, you can lose money on football a lot quicker when the fans start to turn apathetic. Basketball just isn't that big of a revenue driver. I mean, it is. It's it's a profitable venture for Florida, but it's not the same level where you you know season tick tick ticket sales are declining, and then all of a sudden you know you're you're basically you know it's it makes more sense to just eat the buyout. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I think anyway, it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens. I, I don't expect any movement on Mike White. I, I think he'll be at Florida next year. Um, but you know that's why they play the games. You know his team will get a chance to go out there and prove it and. Um, I, I think starting with this Kentucky game, this is going to be a fun stretch for Florida basketball one way or the other. I mean, you're either going to have the fan, blows, fan base totally implode. You're going to kind of uh, just go into the, you know, into the postseason kind of limping or Florida will do something to surprise us where, you know, maybe maybe you start to feel differently about the trajectory of the program. We'll definitely be interesting to see how things play out. All right, Blake. Well, that's going to do it for us today. Guys, we thank you for tuning in. If you're not already subscribed, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Google Podcasts, Podbean, Player FM. Uh, I think that's most of the major ones. Wherever you can get them, feel free to subscribe, tell your friends about us. And until next week, that'll do it. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 